Great Depression, a period of intense drought and food scarcity struck communities in eastern and central Arkansas. While the state and federal government tried to downplay the suffering taking place, an event in the small Lone Oak County town of England would draw the attention of the nation. This event, known as the England Food Riot, would go on to change the way that government and civic organizations addressed issues of disaster, as well as to help usher in many progressive political figures like Franklin D. Roosevelt, and to form a base of support for his New Deal agenda. The 1930s were not exactly a fun time to live in the middle section of the United States, to say the least. Following floods in 1927, the stock market crash in 1929, and killer tornadoes in the spring of 1930, the summer of 1930 would see the beginning of Arkansas's worst drought of the 20th century. While this drought impacted 23 states from the Mississippi and Ohio River Valleys to the Mid-Atlantic, it was most severe in Arkansas. Rainfall during the months of June and July was the lowest on record, 35% lower than in 1929. July temperatures, which usually were already uncomfortable in the 90s, reached 107 degrees. By the 2nd of August, Little Rock had weathered 71 consecutive days without rain. Temperatures in August peaked at 113 degrees, with several successive days at or above 110. The Weather Bureau, precursor to the National Weather Service, and the Department of Agriculture both remarked that this was the most severe drought on record. Farmers abandoned fields because they couldn't be irrigated. Fish overheated and died in lakes and rivers. By August, cities began restricting water usage and many rural wells dried up. Also during this time period, cotton was the leading crop grown commercially in all but the five most northwestern counties in Arkansas. In 1928, the cotton yield in Arkansas averaged six bales harvested for every 20 acres planted. In 1929, the value of cotton produced in Arkansas was $132,911,000, with cotton selling at an average of 17 cents per pound. The 1930 drought dropped cotton to around nine cents per pound, and farmers were struggling to harvest two bales for every 20 acres. And by 31, the selling price of cotton had dropped to around six cents per pound. This meant that it cost more to plant cotton than farmers would get for selling it. This had devastating economic impacts on top of the strain of the Great Depression. T. Troy Reed, assistant director in charge of the State Agriculture Extension Service, said every county in Arkansas is affected, and of the 75 counties, only one, Benton, will have sufficient food for its farm population and livestock feed to tide it over the winter. The chief of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Division of Agricultural Meteorology, said in early August, I don't like calling this a catastrophe, but I don't like to think what may happen if the drought isn't broken in the next two weeks. It didn't break. Family food supplies dwindled quickly. Tenant farmers and sharecroppers were hit especially hard, and they were forced to depend on fishing and hunting to supplement the few surviving garden vegetables, often greens, turnips, and onions. One town particularly devastated by the drought was England, Arkansas. England is a small farming community in the southeastern part of Lone Oak County. In 1930, it had a population of around 2,100 people. The town has a rich history as a center of agriculture. Uh, the soil surrounding England 
is considered some of the most productive in the country and today supports the farming of cotton, rice, soybeans, and corn. In 1930, it was especially reliant on growing and producing cotton, which meant that it was especially vulnerable to drought. When the drought caused cotton crops to fail and the bottom dropped out of the cotton market, many families around England were left with no food for the winter. While things deteriorated in the farming communities, the state government tried to play it down. Arkansas Governor Harvey Parnell said that conditions, although not so good because of the drought adversities, are not alarming and indications are that a normal condition is being resumed, which was not true. Harvey C. Couch, chairman of the Arkansas Drought Relief Committee, believed that relief would not be needed for folks in Arkansas, saying things like, the fighting spirit of the pioneer people in the hills will carry them through. At the same time, State Health Commissioner Charles Willis Garrison warned of increased deaths due to pellagra. Uh, to learn more about pellagra, you can check out one of my earlier podcast episodes. He wasn't wrong. By November, there were outbreaks of not only pellagra due to a lack of green vegetables, but also typhoid fever from a lack of clean drinking water. Neither Governor Parnell nor the Arkansas General Assembly initiated measures for statewide food relief. The governor believed that such matters should be handled by locals, like churches, cities, and counties. Of course, that doesn't work so well when your entire area is suffering. However, there was a pervasive idea at the time, and let's be real, it's still around today, that work was better than charity. There was a fear that charity would drain the strength and weaken the moral fiber of the American people. This attitude went all the way up to the President of the United States. Herbert Hoover, the President then, is not known for handling the Great Depression well. And the story I'm sharing today is only one of many failures of his administration. When federal aid was suggested, Hoover chose instead to reiterate President Grover Cleveland's 1887 statement that though the people support the government, the government should not support the people. He encouraged the communities to support one another and for volunteer organizations to commit to helping the areas affected by the drought. However, he also said that there has been minimum actual suffering in the area's hardest hit. President Hoover had overseen flood relief efforts in 1927 and was impressed by the work of the American Red Cross. So he requested that the organization run point on drought assistance. Unfortunately, the idea that it's better to help yourself than take help was present in the Red Cross as well. While they did pledge $5 million to help those suffering, their assistant head, DeWitt Smith, sought to delay direct assistance as long as possible and to encourage local responsibility because it would be psychologically unsound to think that the Red Cross would act until all other resources had been exhausted. This is in spite of the fact that in late September, the Red Cross had estimated that 100 to 200,000 families would need support. The Red Cross didn't really get set up in Arkansas until November. One of the first available relief programs that they established provided families with a four-pound box of seed for gardens and pastures. This, even though they were in the middle of a drought. Like, they had seeds. The seeds had all died because there wasn't any water. They were farmers. They didn't need to be taught how to grow food. They needed food that was grown in places that have water. I'm, I just... I... Ah! 
There were some officials actually fighting to get aid for Arkansas. U.S. Senators Joseph T. Robinson and Thaddeus H. Carraway had frequently requested aid for their home state. Senator Robinson had suggested that funds could be provided from the Federal Farm Board, but that was dismissed, saying that nothing could be done until Congress convened in December. Along with Senator Carraway, he outlined a relief program that used both state and federal money. Unlike many other officials, Senator Robinson was up front with the true devastation of the drought, calling it almost complete crop failure and pointing out that between 30 and 50% of Arkansas's crops have been lost. A bipartisan group that included the two senators presented a bill pledging $60 million for drought relief and food loans. Meanwhile, President Hoover continued to downplay the suffering of those afflicted by the drought and championed a bill that called for $25 million in loans, but no food assistance. Senator Robinson appropriately ridiculed the idea of loaning money to buy food for livestock, but not for people. The decision was split. While the Senate approved the $60 million bill, the House supported Hoover's smaller bill. Eventually, they compromised on a bill calling for $45 million in seed and feed loans, with the Department of Agriculture making it abundantly clear that the loans were not to be used for the purchase of people food. Unfortunately, as we continue to struggle to learn, loans don't really solve a lot of problems. This is especially true for these loans as they required a mortgage on the forthcoming crop. But the farmers hadn't even been able to pay back their loans from the previous year, so most of them didn't qualify for the loans approved by Congress. The Red Cross had finally begun offering financial aid, but it was, well, Senator Carraway said that no human being could survive on the amount of support given by the Red Cross. And he was right. It amounted to approximately $1 per person per month. To their credit, Red Cross officials agreed, pointing out that they had budgeted $5 million, but already had discovered more than 250,000 people in desperate need. By the end of December, ration forms had run out, and the Red Cross began turning away needy families. Then there were the problems with the distribution of aid, which was often marred by discrimination and intimidation directed at primarily black sharecroppers. Ration recipients were sometimes required to perform services, such as cleaning streets, before receiving food or help. Those deemed unworthy received no aid at all. Secretary of Agriculture Arthur Hyde had allocated $20 million in aid to be distributed to those in need a plan that was set in place by giving funds to planters and the owners of large farms and trusting that they would use those funds to provide food aid to tenant farmers and sharecroppers working on their property. Of course this didn't work. Landowners didn't want to give their tenants free food because they believed that it would disrupt their labor force and that people might use their money to leave, which would only serve to further destabilize an already weakened economy. On Christmas Day in 1930, Arkansas Red Cross Director Albert Evans visited 37 sharecropper homes in St. Francis County and found that only six families had received rations. Like the Department of Agriculture, the Red Cross had expected plantation owners to see that the food and clothing needs of their tenants was being met. Seeing with his own eyes that this was not the case caused Evans to have a change of heart about relief efforts and he realized that food distribution should be delayed no longer. 
The Red Cross officially initiated its food program in January of 1931, with 35% of the state already receiving some type of relief. The depth of the need overwhelmed the resources of the organization. Within three days, 165,518 signed up for assistance. The food rations that were distributed did not provide many essential items like meat, milk, sugar, and fresh vegetables, so this aid did little to help with the nutritional deficiencies in the state. With all this strain, it was only a matter of time before things finally snapped. Which brings us to the event that inspired this episode. On January 3rd, 1931, a Lone Oak County tenant farmer named H.C. Coney was visited by a neighbor who was upset because she was unable to feed her children. Coney decided that there had to be something that he could do to help her. So he loaded up his truck with several other neighbors, and 48 farmers, some of them possibly armed, drove to the Red Cross office in England to demand food. When they arrived, they were told by Mayor Walter O. Williams and the Chief of Police to wait for the Red Cross. The farmers decided to do their waiting in front of a local grocery store. While they waited, a crowd of between 300 and 500 gathered to join those demanding food. However, the Red Cross had upsetting news for them. They were completely out of food aid applications. The crowd grew restless and there was concern that the gathering could turn violent. Local merchants made an agreement with the Red Cross and agreed to distribute food to the gathered farmers with the understanding that the Red Cross would reimburse them for everything given away. Maybe it's a bit anticlimactic that the England food riot ended without a single act of violence, but the name is definitely an attention grabber, right? That was potentially by design. Among the witnesses to this gathering was someone who worked part-time for the Associated Press. He called his editors with the story and it was picked up by newspapers across the country. As it made headlines from California to New York, the event created a nationwide stir. Mayor Williams wrote letters to the governor and state senators asking for federal assistance of any kind and was told that they were doing everything they could to get bills passed in Congress to assist those in need. Perhaps more effective were the pleas he made to the nation through the radio and newspapers. The media blitz gave names and faces to so many suffering people in Arkansas. It caused the governor to walk back some of his earlier comments about how things weren't so bad in the state. Senator Robinson used the popularity of the stories in the press as leverage when petitioning for federal dollars for loans for drought relief. After reading about the dire situation in England in the newspaper in California, cowboy humorist Will Rogers stepped in. He first went to D.C. to appeal for federal aid from President Hoover, but was turned away. So without the support of the federal government, Rogers decided to embark on a tour to raise funds for drought relief. The tour, along with money sent in from citizens across the country after reading about the situation in England in their local papers, helped feed and clothe folks in southern Lone Oak County and carry them through the tough times. On January 23, 1931, Rogers visited England. He met with representatives of the Red Cross, the mayor, and several area farmers. He saw to it that the aid was distributed to those in need. The Red Cross pulled out of Arkansas by April 1, 1931. Throughout the state, they had fed and clothed over 460,000 families. Others had also been fed through public school hot lunch programs. 
Over $3 million in aid was expended in Arkansas. Agricultural failure and famine in Arkansas due to the drought were eased, but not erased by mid-year. After a season of good crops, life in England returned to basically normal. However, things didn't go back to how they were before the drought. Famine and drought became a harbinger of major social, political, and disaster relief issues. The England food riots sparked a national debate about the need for a fairer distribution of goods in times of crisis. Sharecroppers continued to be stuck in unpleasant working conditions, but a path toward change now seemed within reach. Democrats had been out of the White House since 1921, but frustration over how President Hoover had handled Great Depression issues like the drought in Arkansas ushered in 20 years of Democratic governance including the four years of President Franklin Roosevelt. Speaking of Franklin Roosevelt, his New Deal programs included many reactions to the issues that allowed the England food riot to happen. Through the Agricultural Adjustment Act, the federal government intervened to reduce the production of cotton, which helped England and other small towns with agriculture-based economies. It might sound strange to hear that telling people to not grow cotton helps people who grow cotton, but the process prevents the price of cotton from fluctuating drastically as it did in the years surrounding the drought. The powers of the Reconstruction Finance Corporation, the organization that is in some ways the precursor to FEMA, were also greatly expanded under the Roosevelt administration. Honestly, I don't think there's a better way to sum up this whole story than the closing line of the Encyclopedia of Arkansas entry on the England food riots, which says, Although there were many other regions under stress due to economic failings or environmental problems, it was this tiny town and the events of that day that got a nation to sit up and take notice and got the government to start passing legislation to assist in times of hardship. This has been Mapstronaut. Thank you for listening.